following nine podcasts are from REACH COM's Discipleship Weekend, recorded January 18th and 19th, 2008. Please note the album artwork included on each podcast correlates with the messages spoken. started talking right off the bat with vision and I really think one thing I really want to make clear first for us to think about is we have to know to have vision we really have to know who we are first you know who are we who are we in Christ who are we up in CYM what do we stand for what what is it all about what do we do why we do it and I think we really need to um, to be able to promote vision we have to evaluate who we really are right off the bat too you know, I think it's really hard to decide to do big things if you really don't know who you are and what you stand for and, and all the different things. So we have to also know where we're going. You know, to have vision, what, what good is it if you don't even have a plan? You know, if you don't have a plan, you, you're not going to put things into place. It's just not going to work out. Um, Helen Keller was asked once, what would be worse than being born blind? And she replied, having sight without a vision. So I think that's really important to understand. Here's someone who's born blind and absolutely understands the fact that there's a bigger picture there's more to it than just having physical sight it's really about what our heart is and what our vision is for our own self and what our future plans are and and everything this that really was birthed out of what cassie really had a vision for i think is not only for you specifically and cym but I think really it's, it's almost like a, just a lifelong plan for your, your faith, your walk with God, everything. I think it's really just time for you to start to understand what it is that God's called you to do. Get a plan because you know what? It's, hopefully you're not, none of you are going to turn away. I pray to God none of you do, and I really hope that this is going to be something that you just continue on and, and really be able to, uh, to move on in your walk with God. So I want to think about tonight that um, we have to think about why it is that we have vision and what, what, what's the point? What's the point? What is the point with vision? And really, what is our vision? Like I said, I think you have to be honest. There has to be a real honest evaluation. I think there's a lot of people that walk around acting like something maybe they are more, you know, than they really are. And then there's some people that really just value themselves a lot less than they really should, too. You know, I think that's one thing that we really want people to understand this weekend is that to do ministry, you're obviously you're going to have some, some real discipline and some different choices you're going to have to make, and there's going to be good, good choices. But I think a lot of us really walk around feeling very inferior, thinking that only certain people are called to do great things for God or only certain people are going to be called to do the, the wonderful things. You know, I'm only ever going to be a person that cleans or takes up the garbage or whatever. And, and you know what? The thing is, it's just a, a lifestyle of servanthood that we're supposed to pattern. Obviously, Jesus was the biggest servant of all. I mean, he was willing to humble himself and do very small jobs, little jobs. And uh, obviously, we understand in God's word, it says the, the small jobs you start with first, you do them well, and then God continues to progress us and give us more and more chance to do more for him. But he doesn't let us start big. He makes us start small, and he tests our faithfulness is what he does. 
and he really watches that. So we have to definitely examine ourselves. We have to be honest what we are. What are our strong points? You know, ourselves personally, what are our strong points? I think that people always are surprised by themselves, the things they can do, and maybe think that they can't do something until they're given an opportunity, then they realize that they're very good at it. You know, I really think the majority of people were probably very, very surprised at Ryan when Ryan started going up on the stage, because Ryan's extremely quiet. When you see him, like, interact, he's not a very talkative person. But I think all of us were probably amazed with his timing and how well he could speak and, and talk to people up when he got on the stage. He's got great timing, great sense of humor, and all that really come out, you know, but you have to be given an opportunity to do that. What are our weak points? I think all of us have to be careful not to say that I'm going to do a job if you're really not ready to do the job. Some people will want an area of leadership. They'll ask to be a leader. And in truth, they're really not ready. And what happens is all of a sudden all these different things need to be put into place and, and the hard questions get asked to them right when it comes time to do something. And they're like, um, I didn't do that. Or, ugh, I never really thought through that. You know, and so you really have to know yourself and, and know what you're capable of, capable of and what you can really accomplish. I think you really have to look at yourself and see about what it is that you really excel in or what you really fall short in. You know, and that's also in CYM. I think we have to evaluate ourselves up here. I think we can't continue to keep doing things in ministry the same way. I think we really have to look at ourselves, and that's one thing that we're trying to do with this weekend is really just to uh, evaluate the things that we do well. And really, I mean, all of us have you know, short, short spots in on what we do. And, and obviously the ministries do too. I don't think any church is perfect. I don't think any youth ministry is perfect. Nothing. No leader is perfect. So I think we have to really see the parts that we fail in and are flawed in. And I think we have to look at it and say, okay, maybe we need to change this about ourselves. I think that we have to be um, willing to change and willing to try different things from time to time. I think sometimes we find the the system that works, we think, so we continue to stay on with it. And one of the person that really challenges me to always try to do different is Shelby. Shelby's always like, that's great, but let's try to do better. And I think that's a great attitude to have because I do think that we always need to challenge ourselves. You know, I think that in the world, if we, you know, just continue to keep doing the same job over and over again, after a while you kind of get a little bit of blasé about it. It's no big deal. But if you raise the stakes or you challenge yourself, you're going to try to do better and you're going to see things that are different ways, you know, things can be accomplished in different ways. So right off the bat, I really want us to understand about vision. And I want to kind of look at it as in one of those situations like, okay, if I was like a vacuum salesman, you know. If I'm trying to sell something to somebody, I have to have a belief in the, prod, the product, don't you think? I mean, if I'm going to sit there and try to sell you something, I really have to believe and stand behind what it is that I'm trying to sell. And I really think that's one of the main things that we have to understand about vision and with our own faith and with CYM. Do you really believe the message? You know, I think that's what you really have to ask yourself. Do you really have a firm foundation of Jesus Christ in your life? Do you really believe that if not for him, you would be going to hell? Do you really believe that without salvation and forgiveness of sins, that your life would be completely different. You know, you have to have passion for the things that you are trying to sell somebody. You can't go up and tell somebody, hey, this is a great vacuum cleaner. You've got to see it. It's just wonderful. If you don't believe it yourself, you're not going to be very excited. You're not going to have much passion to tell them to, to buy this product. So I think, first off, we really have to be understanding that we have to really believe it. I mean, I, I'm not going to believe someone that tells me that I have to have Jesus if they're not really 
believe in it themselves. If there's nothing there that's saying that they believe it, then you're not going to want it. So I think that's first and foremost. Obviously, the reason why CYM exists is to get people to grow, to be discipled, to be challenged in their faith, and to become better, more dedicated Christians. Because we do believe it's going to change our destination, and we do believe it's going to change our generation around us of people. So we have to be willing to really believe in what it is that we're trying to sell to people. When someone doesn't believe their product, like I say, it's obvious. It's obvious. I've seen those people that say, well, you've got to have Jesus. But it's like, and they're, they're telling you, you can, you can do amazing things. It'll, it'll really change your life. And then you watch them and you're like, man, you're not even a happy person. There's nothing about you. What, what you have, I don't even want. Whatever it is that you bought, I don't want it. You know, that's how they feel. I think we have to really give the people a true idea. But we also have to be willing to really show that there's some joy in it. Because I believe that it's balanced. I think that God gives us enough joy and enough excitement to really draw people in to what it is that he's done for us. We also have to know how it works. If you don't know how it works, people are not going to have the confidence in you when you're trying to tell them it. You know, if you sit there and talk about salvation, you talk about forgiveness, but yet you pretend as though they can just accept Christ and not change, then you're really lying to them. You're selling them a bill of goods that's, no, that's not true, you know. It's interesting because if you buy something ever online or you sign into a contract, you know, usually you get like three days to get out of something. Usually there's this thing, you know, I remember buying books years ago. I remember there was a, they're actually in my office still today, my medical books that someone come around trying to sell me. And I'm like a medical term, terminology, like look up medical things. I thought I had everything. You know, if there was some sort of sickness, I had the worst thing every single time because I had these medical books that look, I'm like, oh, oh no, I'm dying, you know, every single time. But I bought these medical books. I remember buying them and thinking they were really expensive. And I thought, oh, I shouldn't have bought them. I remember looking through the fine print and finding out that, you know, I had three days to cancel the order if I really wanted to. You know, the thing is, I think that sometimes... We have that mindset with Jesus. You know, we think that, okay, we're going to accept it, but, you know, I can go back. I can change if I really don't want it. You know, but he really does want us to be sold out. He wants to be sold out. He doesn't want us to look for a loophole in the contract to get out of it later. He wants us to really believe it and live it and be uh, excited about what we're going to do. You definitely have to tell people what it's really going to cost them to. If I'm selling you a vacuum cleaner, the first thing you're going to look at is like, but how much? That's a great vacuum. I understand it's going to do a great job. You know, it picks up this, vacuums the drapes, does all these different things, has all these different attachments. It's really, really cool. Like the color. Love my Dyson. I got a Dyson. It's awesome. But you know what I'm going to tell you? First thing you, you want to ask is you're going to say, how much is this going to cost me, though? Well, what's it going to cost? You know, because I can't really afford much. I really think that we always have to be cautious about what it is we sell somebody. Be honest. Be upfront. Tell them the truth. Don't scare them off. Because I think God is willing to give them some sort of blindness. You could tell them it's going to cost them everything. You know what? They aren't going to hear that part if it's God's will for them to get them saved. They're going to be like living in this little land. But you told them. You did what was right. You told them what was true. That it's going to cost them really anything. But people look at the bottom line when it comes time to buy something. And when you're selling it, you have to be honest. I think we have to understand that with our own faith. And we have to understand it up here too. You know, if we're pretending like we're all people that get along great yet there's fight, and there's this, and there's that. We're selling people a bill of goods that's not true. So I think we have to, up here, we have to really believe, we have to live it, we have to be honoring what it is that we say that we're selling. 
I think that we have to be very honest and truly tell people that for the majority of time following after Jesus is going to cost you more than you ever thought it was going to cost you. But it's going to be the biggest, most wonderful thing and best vacuum you've ever bought. You know? It's going to be the best. Better than you've ever expected. With ministry, one thing I really want to talk about is that there always has to be a leader. There just is. I, I think... I think it's hard for people sometimes because there's a lot of people that really don't want to submit to leadership. And it really tells a lot about a person if they can never submit. But you know what? There really does have to be a leader. And Pastor, when it was time to do Steadfast, one of the reasons why he said, he says, I want there to be a leader. Because there has to be one person that's going to be the person who everyone's going to go back to. That's great for them, but it's also very hard for them. Because that means every single thing that goes wrong... You go back to them. All decisions that are made up here, even if I put somebody in leadership, they do something wrong. Who does it come back to ultimately? It comes back to me. And I think that's what's hard about ministry and with leadership is you have to be willing to be the person. If you're going to stand up and you're going to sell it, and if you're going to be a leader, you have to be a person that's willing to accept the hard criticisms and the tough times and the sleepless nights and, and everything that really comes with it. So you have to have those people that are going to be the leaders. The people that are going to actually put the standards in place and they're going to put the order in the place and really facilitate it. Find those other people to do the work. Obviously, one person can't do everything. That's one of the reasons why we really wanted to do this is because as time goes on, more and more people are getting older and we really want to get some younger people that have a call of ministry on their lives that maybe they don't even realize it. I don't know if you guys, how many people were in Sunday school when they heard Ethan say he was really surprised when I picked him to be on leadership when he was like 13. You know, I think sometimes we don't see what it is that God has shown someone else, that there's a real special thing that you're called to do. And I think Ethan just had a real open and willingness of, in his heart to do ministry and to really love Jesus, and it came through. And sometimes I think that God even uses people, will tell us to pick people, that maybe they're not even right where they need to be at all spiritually, but God says that's the person. They might be a diamond in the rough, but they will be a diamond. You know, it just needs a little bit of shape, and it needs a little bit of rough work, and they need to go through that tough times, you know, with other rocks beating them and hard pressure to make it into what they're going to become. So I think that we have to understand that certain people are going to be called into leadership, and uh, I, I really believe that if you're here, I think that you must have a challenge inside you, something inside you that really wants to do maybe more or really sees that there is something more for you that you could do for God. Um, we definitely need leaders because without leaders and without vision, God's word says that the people will perish. And I think that we have to really get that in our heart. We have to understand what that is, that people will perish. I think sometimes we look at that as really um, just as a word. But you understand perish means to die. So if we don't give them vision in their spirituality, if they're really their walk with God, their faith in Jesus... Truly what that means is they're just going to die. They're going to die. It means spiritually they're going to die. They're going to go to hell. And we have to understand vision is what's going to set them on a whole different path to do better and to change their destiny. I, I really believe that. I believe that with all my heart that that's what's needed. God definitely looks for leaders who can take that vision to the people. And like I say, sometimes he uses those people that aren't necessarily the best speakers. I'm not the best speaker. I've grown way better than I used to be. I'm nowhere near what I need to be. 
I still stumble in my words. Probably my biggest detriment is the fact that I have horrible eyes. can never see. <laughs> so when I look down at my sheet, I really have a struggle sometimes to really see and see where I'm at and, and pick up where I'm at because my vision is so poor. But you know what? God will take somebody with poor vision. God will take somebody that doesn't have necessarily the best speaking voice or um, you know, maybe doesn't have the best look of leaders. You know, all these different things, and he'll use those people. I, I tease Cameron all the time. I said, I don't know. I think sometimes in ministries what happens is you'll go to conferences and every single person looks like each other. Did you ever notice that? You see, most of the time, the 20-some-year-old men, they're all walking around with their, their hair with kind of like, you know, kind of spiked up a little bit, and they all got the jeans with the blazer. You know, they all got the look. And I'm thinking, it's, it's interesting. It's like almost like that was decided in like 1990s, and no one strayed from it yet because they think that's the leader look, you know? I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I think, you know what, we can look like leaders, and we can be leaders. It doesn't matter how we dress, and we look a certain way. I just think that sometimes people get put, even in ministry, we say it doesn't matter to have a certain look, but yet the same people will still perpetuate that over and over again that this is how a leader looks, and this is how a leader acts, and in all these different things. And I really think that God can use people that aren't necessarily that norm, you know, what people think it is. I love when God uses people that are opposite and different. You know, I think that's what's really a, an amazing thing about God. Like I said, he always tries to challenge us, and he always tries to make us think, right when we think we get it figured out, he'll switch it up, and he'll show us that that's not necessarily the case. The main thing he looks for in leaders is he looks for uh, faithfulness. Faithfulness is a big thing with God. If you show that you're faithful, if you show that you're a faithful person in your walk with God, he honors that so much. He puts that as just, it's on the top of his list when he sees people that are faithful to him. He just loves it. He loves to see it. God's word actually talks about the fact that when we worship God and we praise him and we do things that, uh, you know, uh, make him happy, he sings for joy. Jesus sings for joy over you when you do the things that are right. I think we have to understand that. We have to really catch that, that he cares that much about us. He also, when we discuss him, just on a daily basis when we talk about him, he writes it down in a book because we matter that much. And I think that we really sometimes don't understand that he's that close, that he cares that much. The other thing he really looks for is he looks for obedience. I'm going to tell you, you have to be an obedient person to be a leader. It's so necessary. You have to be a person of obedience. You have to... Be willing not to just do the, the hard work, but to be obedient when people ask you. Sometimes, you know, we don't have the best attitude. Sometimes we are tired or we're frustrated or we're upset or things haven't been good or, or whatever. But you know what? Be obedient. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just do what you're supposed to do. And even if you're not taking it well, you just got to go under it. Okay. Kind of refocus yourself. But be obedient because a lot of times those little things that when you're ready to blow and you're ready to say things you shouldn't, that's what God was waiting to see when was you're going to be your cracking point. But not your cracking point, because we all have it, but how you're going to handle it. How are you going to respond? Have to have discipline. You have to be a person of discipline all the time. To follow God, we have to be a person that's going to be disciplined in every single thing we do. We also have to have faith. Faith is so important. If you don't believe it, like I said, no one's going to believe it from you. No one's going to believe it up here from you. When you start talking about your faith in Jesus, they're not going to believe it. People in this world, this world will tell us what they think is right all the time. 
There's a certain way. There's a certain program. There's a certain way of, of doing ministry. There's a certain way of being. And, and I think we really have to understand that God gives people different visions. Sometimes it may be your way, the way that you would do it, but you know what? God can use a different person and do it a different way. Get a different result, or maybe a better result, or maybe even the same result, but he's going to use it in different ways. So we have to understand that. Sometimes I think that we really have to be willing sometimes as a leader to listen to your leaders, but sometimes the crowd will tell us how to do something. We have to ignore what those people will tell us. You know, I think sometimes you should do it this way. There's a lot of people will give advice. Up here in CYM, CYM, there's been many, many times I've had people come up and say, you know what, you ought to do it this way. And I look at those people and I'm thinking, you know what, we'll just continue and we'll pray and we'll see how we need to do it. But I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm going to pray about it and think about it and, and see if, sometimes people just like to give their two cents worth and they really don't, it doesn't equal up to even two cents. You know? Sometimes you have to disregard what the world tells us and we have to listen for God. I do think we have to have tactics and we have to be able to plan what it is that we're going to do with our vision. How we're going to accomplish it. One thing that's really interesting is Bruce Lee. If you've ever know, you know who Bruce Lee is, right? Okay. Bruce Lee had an interesting way of fighting. And he was the one who implemented one who put it into place. What he did was when he fought, he didn't aim for his target. What he said he always did was he aimed six inches behind his target, beyond it, to be able to know that he'd for sure reach him. So when he was looking to fight somebody, he didn't look to hit here. He looked to hit here. Well, you know what that means? There's a whole lot more force behind that, isn't there? If you know you've got to get to here when someone's here, they're going to hit it full force when you come at them. So we have to be willing to aim, target the right things, and really, and really just think about that. Sometimes we don't even aim. We don't even have really what it is our tactics are even in place. We don't even have no plan. And we have to have a plan. And we have to not just, you know, throw it out there, what it is that we're going to do. We have to really aim and, and not aim to the six inches to the right or left, but beyond is what we have to think about. I really think that we have to have great big faith. Great big faith to do great big things. And those people that sometimes in our life that we really want to reach for Jesus, and they're like, oh, there's never the ones that you're going to do. You're never going to get them to understand. You're never going to see them change. I believe that we can. And that's what you have to have. You have to believe that you have faith that you can reach those people. If you already in your mind determined that they're never going to get it, you know what? They're never going to get it because they're definitely not going to hear it from you. And like I said, what you're trying to sell them, they're never going to believe it because you don't believe in your project product that it's going to make a difference in their lives. So you have to understand that. You always have to have a willingness to fight through your fear. If you're going to try to share your message of Christ, the message of Christ with others, it's going to be scary. It's going to be very scary. Sometimes just right when you say it, you're going to have 20 people walk up and interrupt. There's going to be someone that comes into play. Someone else is going to walk through the door. You're going to find all these different things, and you're going to be really afraid. Just about the time you say it, somebody's going to say something else. And it's, it's going to be really tough. But you know what? Fight through your fear. Because if you really love Jesus and you really want to share the message, you're going to fight through that fear to do it. You know, you have to reach beyond. And I think sometimes we really have to be willing to quit making excuses. I think a lot of us make excuses for ourselves why we can't do something. Why I can't come up and talk. Why I can't be the person who's going to be the leader and run this whole ministry. Why I can't be the person that does the cleanup. You know, don't look for excuses, but look for opportunity of why you can, not that you can't. You know, I think there's been great people in the Bible that have proven that you can do something even if they don't have all the skills. 
And if you look through the Bible, I think God purposely uses those people that are kind of odd, different, maybe not the ones that he was going to say. But look at if, if, if someone like Moses would have said, you know, I don't, I don't like people. I don't, I don't want to do the job. You know, nothing would have happened. There would have been no, no exodus. Nothing would have taken place. If Noah would have been a person that said, you know what, I, I don't like boats. I prefer not to go out. I'd prefer not to, you know. Probably not going to happen. You understand? You better be willing to fight through the things that are going to scare you. What if Mary said, I don't, I don't do babies. No. No, I don't, I don't do that. You know, what if she said that? No, Jesus. You understand? We've got to be willing to be the person. You know, would it have stopped? Would the message of Christ change if Mary would have said no? No. God would have put someone else in place. That's what I want you to understand. If you don't stand up and be the leader... If you don't have the vision to accomplish it, you know what? The message isn't going to stop. It's just going to stop with you. He's going to use someone else. And I think we've got to get that. We've got to get that and understand that and own that. We've got to understand that God wants willingness and faithfulness, and he wants obedience, and he wants sacrifice on your part. But you know what? He's going to use you. He's going to give an opportunity to you to really step up. And if it doesn't start to happen, he's going to say, okay, no one's home. Move to the next person. Just like the what about Bob, you know? No one's here. Let's call someone else. I found something really interesting on, online, and it's talked about uh, Christopher Columbus when he was sailing. You know, when he was on this big trip to go and, and discover America, he kept a journal. And one of the things it said is every single day, it sounds so simple, but what he would write down is he'd say over and over again, this day we sailed on. And I mean, think about that. Yes, it's so simple. But he didn't stop and he didn't turn back. This day we sailed on. We just continued to be what we're supposed to be, to do the job we're supposed to do. And I think up here, we have done that for almost six years. You know what? Not perfect. <laughs> a lot of screw-ups. Some people we picked for leadership that really didn't want to be in leadership. Some people that wanted to be leaders that really weren't ready to be leaders. All that doesn't matter. Because the thing is, you know what? God will use people, and he uses people at different times. And I think it teaches every single person something about their self, you know? I think sometimes we think that we're failures because not everything worked perfectly, but every single thing that we did really did perfectly work out because it gives people opportunities, challenges. The thing is with willingness to try is really understanding that if you put someone in leadership, that's also an opportunity to let them, if they want to, fail. They, they, it's them. It's up to them. And not that they're failing necessarily, but even like the whole situation. Timing isn't right, whatever. It's a God opportunity, but we can, we can move on. I really learned something really interesting. And uh, what I did, oh, it's been, this is from like 2004. I would tell people who were in leadership to write me a letter. Tell me why it is that they wanted to be on for another six months. And I found something when I was looking through when I was thinking about this. I thought this was pretty interesting. It says, why should I be allowed the privilege of being a youth sponsor for Chosen Youth Ministries? What do I have to offer this group? I am a flawed, sinful person who has to fight against anger and being judgmental. I have issues. I'm not always a good example of what a youth sponsor should be. I fall into gossip, and I don't always speak out of love. My mouth is the biggest detriment that I have. I feel somehow, some way, if I feel some way, I say it. Sometimes when I should just shut up, I don't. It's a dangerous thing. I have a tendency to be somewhat of a rebel, and I enjoy breaking the mold of what is expected of me. I'm risky because I'm predictable, unpredictable. 
My stack is plummeting. My emotions get the best of me. I sometimes make unwise choices due to the way I'm feeling. If I'm upset, people usually know it. I don't come across as the calm under pressure type of a leader who's always in control. Sometimes, and always, if I'm under a deadline, I'm completely out of control. I'm obsessive. I find it hard to let go and let God. I give my burdens to Christ, but then I pry them out of his fingers and entertain them some more. I am an Indian giver. I could go on and on. I have many, many flaws. But what does all this matter? What is the point? In my weakness, he is the strongest. All I can say is that I am not perfect, but I am a willing vessel for him to work through. And I will continue to crucify my, my flesh to him every single day. I will fail this ministry, and I will make mistakes, but I will get back up again, and I hopefully the kids will see that it, what it's like to be a human being serving Christ. My prayer is that every day I will grow in love and in wisdom. I love Jesus with all my heart. I love this church with all my heart. I love this ministry with all my heart. And I love these kids with all my heart. I would rather die than to ever misrepresent any of those that I love. I will stop at nothing to make a difference. And I will never, ever get up. I will sacrifice all that is asked of me. Everything I have, I count as loss. And everything I am to God and to you. There is nothing in this world that I believe in more than CYM. No other person, place, or thing comes before this ministry. I believe God has a special calling for this ministry and for these kids. I believe incredible things are on the horizon and are already beginning to break. If we stay strong and keep focused, we will have the greatest reward we could ever ask for. There's no looking back. I will not hesitate. I will rise to meet every challenge and will not break rank. When I am weak, he is strong. I know that in his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever dare to ask, hope, or imagine. So this is all I have to offer. It's not a lot, and I realize that every day I'm part of this, I receive much, much more than I could ever possibly contribute. That was Shelby in 2004. And I think that's just a really honest evaluation. You know what? There's no point in selling our strong points. We might as well just be up front and straight up what we are because we, most of the time what we show is not really our strength, but we show our weakness if you're in leadership. I think our weaknesses, once we become a leader, I think we have to be willing to let our weaknesses be evident to everyone around us. I think that's the hardest part of being a leader. It's not to show your strength, but a willingness to be humble and show your weakness. That's what happens when you're a leader. And I think that's what's tough for people. Pastor Steve, when he decided to be a leader, the leader of this church, what he did was ultimately he signed up for the person who's going to let everything fall on his shoulders. When he, doesn't, when he gives a message, it doesn't touch people's heart. Well, people, well, I'm not, he's obviously, no, he's not preaching the word of God. You know, people will do that. People look at the leader and they will not compliment half the time, but they will criticize. And I think it's a willingness to be that for people around us. So I really want us to understand that. If you're going to be a leader, understand that there's going to be criticism. Get a tough skin. It's bound to happen. There's been many a time I've walked away after we've done something and I just beat myself up over it because I am my own worst critic. I stop and think, it's like, why can't you get your words straight? You know, why is it that you have to sit there and stumble over what you want to talk about? Why, when you wrote the message, did it all come together, but when you told it, it didn't seem like it come out the way you wanted it? You know, I'm my own worst critic. But it's also, I know God's willing to use me flawed and really touch somebody. Because ultimately, it's him that's going to do the work. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God that's going to draw. We're vessels. But he's going to use, you know, himself, the Holy Spirit, that's really going to do the work. You know, flawed or not, he's going to accomplish great things. I want to quickly, 
because I don't have very much time. I only have 10 minutes. I wanted to show you something, um, if I can find it, where I put it. Um, something that we learned, it was from John Crabtree. And obviously you guys know that John Crabtree, uh, he passed away in December, uh, right before Christmas. He got killed in a plane crash. But when we had our leadership um, opportunities and he spoke on vision, one of the things that he said really, really spoke to my heart because I really think it's the whole entire pattern of what he spoke on. It talks about the salvation message. It talks about people in leadership. It talks about you if you are in leadership, and it talks about you if you are a leader. It really explains so much. And I really just want to talk to you real quick and write this out for you real quick. You know, if you put down, if there's, there's going to be an opposite. Obviously, on the left side, we're going to put down the things that are going to be the good things. And then on the bad, we're going to put the right. You know, what would be the opposite of that? And I really just want to let you really see what he told us. And I thought, this is so awesome. You know, right off the bat in the bottom, if you have purpose. If you have a purpose in your life, you're going to accomplish great things. You have to have a purpose. But if you don't have purpose, you're going to be aimless. You're going to just be out there floating around with nothing. Nothing at all to get you through. So you have to have a purpose. If you have a purpose, you will start to, after a while, start to develop trust in the things that you're doing and the things that you've been given. You're going to really start to get this. On the opposite of that, if you're aimless, you're really going to start to really develop an attitude of mistrust the people around you. You're not going to really understand. You're not going to get it. If you have a purpose and you start to trust, what ends up happening is you start to understand what freedom means. Freedom starts to come into your life. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to put this up there. I'm going to leave it up here. And then tomorrow when we talk a little bit more about um, boldness, I'm really going to kind of like go off of this a little bit more and and talk about some different things. But I really just want you to see this. And I'm going to kind of let you see as we go on how it all comes about. If you have an aimless life, you start to mistrust people. And what ends up happening is you become very shamed. If you have a purpose, you start to trust, you receive freedom. What happens is you start to take initiative in your own life. In your walk with God, everything. You start taking initiative. You realize that things will be done, but you have to be the person that's going to do it. Opposite. What's going to end up happening if you don't? Is instead of taking initiative, you're just going to have guilt and you're going to have doubt. You're going to start, see if you're aimless, you start to mistrust, you start to get shameful, and then you start to get guilty, and you start to doubt things in your life that aren't going to work, things won't be good, I can't make it, no possible way. But if you have taken initiative, what is happening is you can really start to produce some great things. So you'll have productivity in your life. Things are going to be great. Let me put this off to the side so it's easier to see. Opposite, inferiority. You're going to feel very inferior to the people around you. What ends up happening with this, if you understand what your purpose is and you start to trust, you receive freedom, you start to take initiative, then you start getting productive, what ends up happening is, you know what, 
you understand who you are, you're going to have role identity. You're going to understand what you're called to do. Who you are is what's going to take place. Opposite of that, there's going to be role confusion. I was so impressed with this because the more I thought about this, I thought, this is really great. He talked about this for our whole church, but I just thought, man, you know, of course my heart is CYM, so I thought about how how we could use this up here, how we could really grasp this and really utilize this for, like, CYM and the people that we're called to reach and what we're called to do. Now, I think what you can understand about this, if you got this all up here, you can see. Look at the message of Christ. Look at Jesus. Look at salvation. Look at Jesus came with a purpose. He tells us to trust him. We start to trust him. He gives us freedom. Then he says, start taking initiative in your life because you're going to produce great things and you're going to know who you are in Christ. That's perfect. That's the message of salvation. That's faith and that's who you are, who you can be. If you see people that don't understand, have never understood what Jesus did for them, you see they're very aimless. They have nothing. They start to mistrust the people in their lives. There's no trust that anybody's going to tell them the right things, the good things in life. Then they start to get shameful. I'm not good enough. I'm horrible. Guilt, doubt, I'm nothing. I could never accomplish anything. They start to feel very inferior. I'm, I'm worthless. I have nothing. And there's... They don't think that they're worth anything. They realize and they think in their life that there's, that God wouldn't love them. Why would he care? All these different things. So we realize this whole pattern has great things to teach us. Also in leadership, what I want you to understand is this is great because it's a pattern for us to give the leaders. Like if I'm a leader and I'm going to tell you, hey, Lizzie, I want you to take this job, and you run with it. You start putting people into place in their areas of position. You be their supervisor. What ends up happening, you start to give them a job. Right off the bat, if you don't tell them exactly that they have a purpose to do in that job, they're going to start to feel aimless. Well, what is it that I should do? Should I do that or should I not do it? I don't know what I should do. And then after a while, see, if they start to have purpose, they start to trust that they can do better. But if you didn't give them a purpose, and after a while they become aimless, they start to mistrust that they can do the job. So all these different things, if we look at what we can give to somebody, you can see someone that's done a good job. If you've done all these different things, they're going to start to think that they can really take and own something. They're going to own their place of leadership, that they can do it. You know, if I I told somebody in the sound booth that they're going to do a job, but I'm always back there telling them, you know, I don't really like that song that you did. You know know what, guys, I I really don't want that graphic put up. And after a while, what ends up happening is they're going to start to think that, well, I, I don't know if I should make a decision. They start to become aimless. And then they start to mistrust their, their plan. Well, I'm going to pick this song. Well, maybe I shouldn't pick that song because if I pick that song, what's going to happen is they're not going to like it. And then I don't feel good about it. You know, and then they start to feel shamed that I'm not doing a good job. Then they start feeling guilty and doubting themselves. Before long, they start to feel inferior. And what ends up happening as time goes on is they drop out. I don't want to do the job no more. This was eye-opening to me in October when we took this. So I thought, you know what, this is so important because I think as leaders sometimes we really just have to pull our hands off. I've tried to do that. I've really, really tried to do that to let people own it. And you know what, I'm a controlling person. Anybody that lives with me knows that. I'm a person that would like to, I love all areas of ministry. So it was up to me. I mean, I'm a person that wants to control the food. I want to control this. I want to control that. But you have to be willing, if you're a real leader, to sit there and say, okay, you're going to do that job. 
And you know what? Even if it's not done to the perfect way that you would like it, it's like, okay. But it got done. It got done, and it was good. You have to get your hands off sometimes and let be willing pe- people who are willing be willing to make a mess of things from time to time. <laughs> you really do. And I think we have to really get that. I mean, I think that there is a point where we have to be up front and straight with people and tell them that there's a higher way. One of the things with CYM we've always tried, I am a firm believer that good enough is never good enough. If your mindset is this is good enough for the people, it won't work. Because to me, I think, you know what, the world is out there scrambling trying to give these kids great things. If we're only offering them just a cheap substitute, they're not going to want it. We come up here to do ministry and see CYM. That's why I'll tell you, we spend bigger bucks than most ministries will. You know, I'm going to tell you how many ministries you go to. It's like generic soda, generic this, generic that. It's like, I'm a firm believer. It's like, let's not do anything generic. Let's buy the real good candy bars. Let's buy the real soda. Let's offer them great things. Because then they have some sort of like, it's like, yeah, this is, this is great. This is worth something. You know, I think that we really have to get that. I do think that we need to um, always strive for, for better. I don't ever want us to get the idea thinking that, well, you know what, it's just for a bunch of kids. Well, this is who I'm most called to do. Believe me, I would give you guys better. Better than anybody. Because I think that you're worth it. So it's like, to me, I, I've seen people before. It's like, well, it's just a bunch of kids. What are they going to know? Um, I would know. Why do we want to make them feel like they're not worth something? To me, make them feel like they're worth it, and then some. If you're up there working at some part of the food, and someone says, you know what, there's no salt. It's like, yeah, we didn't remember to get it. Or, you know what, get the salt out. Do the things that matter. If someone asks for something, get it. Run for it. Help them. You know, when we do ministries, like different things that we've been involved with over the years, you'll go to get a hot dog. Well, there's ketchup, and there's mustard, there's relish, but there's no onions. Well, I use onions on my hot dog. Why can't there be onions? well, you know what? I didn't buy any onions and it was just too hard to cut them up. Well, go get an onion and cut it up because you know what? That's what people take on their hot dogs, don't they? So you have everything for them. I'm a firm believer you don't let stuff go half done. You get it done, you do it right, and you do it with excellence. Adults would scream for it, but yet sometimes when they give it to kids, they're like, oh, they don't need onions. Why not? You know, I'd be willing to throw away three quarters of the bot- the container of it if it still helps two or three people happy and they got their hot dog the way they wanted it good (laughs) that's the way it should be but i just really want us to keep this up i think as you look at it and as you start to study you're going to see that there's even more ways that you can look at this like i say our walk with jesus the salvation message i think as a leader how we need to lead and also how you need to let other people lead around you sometimes I really think that's so important. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more tomorrow. I want to talk about boldness, but I do want to talk about how we really have to evaluate who we are up here in CYM, and I really want us to get it. I think that we're going to do something tomorrow when we finish up that I really want you to be able to know more about each other. I think sometimes we come into CYM and we do things the same way. We talk to people in those little quips, hi, how are you, but we really don't get to spend time, real quality time, and get to know each other better. So we're going to really, like, try to do that this weekend. You know, I really think that if you're here, obviously there's something that you're drawn to, maybe to start helping out, maybe just to really know who your identity is in Christ, and that's all very, very important. So uh, we are going to soon go get food, and uh, I'm going to pray for you real quick, 
And as time goes on, we're going to continue. And uh, after we eat, we are going to do some worship and then continue on with our messages. And, and uh, you're going to learn great things. So let me pray for you real quick, okay? Well, Lord, I just pray that you just help each person really grasp what it is that you have for them this week. And I just pray that if they feel unloved, Lord, that you make them loved. If they feel inferior, Lord, you just give them just a, a firm ground on which they stand, Lord. I just pray that you would just help us to just really evaluate ourselves the way we need to, Lord, that we would truly evaluate CYM the way we need to, that none of us would do anything in pride, uh, that we wouldn't think that we accomplish great things because, Lord, you, we know you're the ultimate. You're the one who's going to uh, accomplish great things with your Holy Spirit and, and just you in their lives, Lord. Uh, we're your vessels, but ultimately, Lord, you're the one who's steering the ship and, and causing great things to happen. I just pray, Jesus, that you would just bless this time that we have together this weekend. And, Lord, bless this food, make it healthy to our bodies. Um, let us really have a great time of fellowship and worship and, and learning. And, and uh, Lord, just help us to really dedicate ourselves to you and, and your service and, and the things that we're called to do, Lord. We just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.